escuchas ese rugido, sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. This is the Pulse here on Joy News. I trust you had a wonderful weekend. We are back. It's Monday, and we have only the best for you. Now, this afternoon, access to free quality health care, secured pension, including retirement on salary, as well as waiver on vehicle importation, key demands by the Ghana Medical Association to government. Health workers continue to pay out of pocket when we require health care sometimes in clear contravention to what our conditions of service stipulates, of which full implementation has often become a pipe dream. The association is also warning they may have to force to take a tough stance if their conditions of service is not signed and implemented by January 1, 2024. But is government willing to give in? Find out about these and more as we build up to Wednesday's election year budget presentation by the finance minister. We also have a conversation with NAGRA's leadership and Dean of Graduate Studies at the UPSA this afternoon as we look to the 2024 budget statement to be presented by the finance minister. Plus, to change some provisions of the constitution and get the president to start paying taxes. In a president, I think you should be the one to set example for us to, I mean, to follow. So, the president should pay tax. The president equally needs to pay taxes. Plus, with 25 ministers, no deputies and no regional ministers help the country save funds for the March media development. These and more here on The Pulse. My name is Elton Brobe. It's a pleasure to be with you. The Pulse is brought to you by Global Communities Digibo. Affordable, safe sanitation for all. We're live on DSTV on channel 421 and Go TV 125. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and myjoonline.com for these and more. We'll be back with more. Welcome back to the polls here on Joy News. Now, in two days, Finance Minister Kenneth Foriata will be in Parliament to present the budget for the 2024 year, in which the country will be significantly engaged with heavy political activity for the general elections. Take a look at how the 2023 budget has treated the economy so far. Well, this afternoon, the Ghana Medical Association is the latest union to mount pressure on government ahead of the budget presentation by Mr. Kendall Foriata on Wednesday. 
They are talking tough and demanding huge from government. A Fair Wages and Salaries Commission acting on behalf of government has before it a list of demands captured in the conditions of service for doctors yet to be signed. But ahead of the signing ceremony, the Ghana Medical Association is making fresh demands. At the 65th General Meeting, President of the Association, Dr. Frank Srebov, said the poor working conditions of doctors makes it imperative that they are compensated adequately. Listen to the demands. We are often regarded as superhuman beings and as such immune to sickness. There is always the erroneous perception that because we are in the health facilities, it, is, it grants us full access to healthcare. This assertion is a brutal scam, and I must say that this is a projection of neocolonial subjugation that hasn't helped our cause as health workers. Our work exposes us to the double burden of hazardous environment, environment leading to exposure to multitude of afflictions. Our long and stressful working hours makes it nearly impossible and difficult for us to adopt healthy lifestyles in terms of our eating habits, exercises, and adequate sleep. We end up suffering from various forms of infectious and non-infectious communicable diseases. Our mental health is not spared in this ordeal. The poor working conditions and the inadequate compensation, that is why I brought Honorable Deputy Minister of Finance here. For our work, compounds the situation with financial wahala. Ladies and gentlemen, the biggest and the most important question is, who cares for the health worker? My candidate sign is no one, not even ourselves. Health workers continue to pay out of pocket when we require health care, sometimes in clear contravention to what our conditions of service stipulates, of which full implement implementation has often become a pipe dream. We need to be protected from the workplace hazards. We need to be given a true accessible healthcare, which is unambiguously free. We need to be compensated adequately for all the hazards we face. Our pensions need to be secured after we have sacrificed our bodies, minds, and souls. We need logistics and enabling environment to enable us to heal ourselves so that we can have the mental and physical well-being to be able to heal the population. Retirement on salary is not too much to ask for. There should be an immediate reinstatement of the vehicle importation tax waiver for health workers. We should not be made to pay the ultimate price of losing our lives and our homes in the quest of taking care of the vulnerable. Someone must care for the health worker. Our Lord is not in heaven, but here on planet Earth. The employer should create the environment that will give him or her the assurance that 
they can seek reliable health care here in Ghana rather than run abroad with the least sign of ill health. What we are asking for is not an impossibility. We are not asking for the moon to swallow the sun. Neither are we asking for immortality. To whom the bell rolls, they know. To whom the angel of death clap their wings, they know. Now to us as health workers, sadly, the hunchback peddles medicine for treatment of hunchback and yet cannot kill himself. The, the healer cannot heal him or herself. As health workers, and for that matter, medical doctors and dental surgeons, the question is, how do we treat our sick colleagues? We work in Kolebu, teaching hospital, Kompano teaching hospital, Efian Kwanta regional hospital, and indeed all the hospitals across the country. Let us do a deep soul search in this minute and answer to ourselves candidly. How do we treat a fellow health worker when they find themselves in our clinics, our wards, and our hospitals? If we could all practice according to the dictates of the Hippocratic Oath, and I quote this portion, my colleague shall be my brother or sister, then I dare say we would have been caring for each other better, regardless of what the disabled, incapacitated, impotent, impaired, and paralyzed system does. Health workers, we are strategically placed to tilt the balance in our favor if we do not give up either in judgment or execution and if we are truly committed to our own health needs. Let us take the big step of creating a fortune or favorable environment for ourselves in our hospitals for it is said that fortune favors the bold. The Ghana Medical Association is also warning they may be forced to take a tough stance if government fails to sign and implement the conditions of service by January 1, 2024. Here again is the president of the association, Dr. Frank Shrebo. Members of the GMA, ladies and gentlemen, negotiations for conditions of service still ongoing. The GMA will appreciate some urgency on the part of the Fogies and Salaries Commission to bring closure to this process. The GMA has been patient. However, it is worthy to note that the laborer also deserves his wages. And our patience cannot be stretched in perpetuity. Again, let me remind our employer, any delays will not be rewarded. Since we will demand full implementation of any agreed terms to be effective January 2024. Even as we negotiate, the existing condition of service is still in force, and hence implementation of every aspect of the document that becomes due will be demanded by the GMA as was done for the non-basic salary allowance. You are not clapping. Our government was represented at this conference by the Ghana Medical Association a Deputy Minister for Finance, Abena Osaya-Sara, assures government is working to implement the conditions of service stress in Parliament 
has already passed the exemption task, paving the way for doctors to enjoy waivers on vehicles imported into the country. Parallel, our commitment to improving the conditions of our medical practitioners, practitioners remains steadfast. We are actively engaged in discussions surrounding the conditions of service. And we know that progress has been made and very soon we'll be signing the agreements moving forward. So um, the chairman and president of GNI, I just want to assure you that we have made some progress and very soon Fair Wages and Salaries Commission will be calling a meeting to kickstart the operationalization or the finalization of your new conditions of service. And like I said, your conditions of service, as, as we spoke to the GMA, we have been able to do it for the past seven years, and I know this year will not be an exception. Admittedly, our pledge to offer exemptions for the importation of vehicles for doctors have delayed. This was largely due to the efforts to comprehensively streamline our exemptions regime. Thankfully, Parliament passed the exemptions bill last year, and we are now repositioned to engage or in an engagement that we believe will manifest uh, in this important pledge to ease the transportation burden of our doctors, to also help them deliver quality and timely health care. So those are the facts on the table. The Ghana Medical Association, of course, a response from government. But the deadline here is January 1, 2024. The GMA just concluded their 65th general meeting. And the, the meeting also led to the election of some new executives to, you know, spearhead the activities of the Ghana Medical Association. So how bad is the conditions of service for medical practitioners? Joining us in the studio to digest the issues that have been put forward by the Ghana Medical Association. Dr. Dent Richard Solomon, General Secretary of the Ghana Medical Association. Doctor, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Quite uh, a long title. Doctor and a dentist as well. Is that right? Yes. Okay. There's a reason for that, and I'm right. sure as we discuss. Of course. Yes. And I want to congratulate you on your election. Thank you. As the General Secretary of the Ghana Medical Association. Thank you. So clearly the weekend was good for you. Uh, tiring, but very good, mm. and we thank God for a successful and well-attended uh, general GMA conference, yes. Great. So now let's explore the issues that you've put on the table. Yes. We are looking forward to the 2024 budget uh, on Wednesday, yes. and already you are talking tough. A few issues that came up for me, the, the conditions of service for members, yes. which is currently before the Fair Wages and Salaries Commission, yes. the expectation is that some decision will be made and you, you've given a the deadline up to the January 1. The president also made mention of certain things that should come to you freely, including yes. quality health care, including secured pension. These are the issues that came up. Yes. But more importantly, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that doctors have to do out-of-pocket payment to assess medical health care. How bad is the situation for, 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 for members of this I think fraternity? You've, you've actually begun telling us how bad it is. Mm. Um, it's not only doctors, but generally health workers in Ghana in general. The point is that we work in the health sector. It is that you are saying that those who deliver water to the people have to actually pay and get water or are thirsty for water themselves. And we think that that situation must be changed. Uh, conditions are not the best. 
In fact, uh, when I finished school somewhere in class of 2008-2009, in dollar terms, the salaries are much better then than now. Mm. So you should realize that the buying power of even our salaries has gone down drastically. I guess a lot of people can speak same for themselves, in the, in, of course, in every profession. Well, every profession could say that, mm -hmm. but then you realize that there's a reason that the healthcare industry is deemed an essential service provider. And that is why some priority should be given to that. And you've seen recently that younger colleagues, even experienced ones and consultants, are beginning to leave the country in their droves once again, and leading us to a dangerous trend where we now are talking about brain drain once again. If the conditions are not improved, what it means is that people have to make sure they live to let live, and they will begin to leave. And then the Agenda 11 hospitals will be built, but there will be no people to man them. And that is why these issues must be attended to promptly. So, so doctor, are you saying that, for example, for a doctor that is requiring uh, medical care, yes. you are treated just like any ordinary person that works at the hospital? So uh, there are some hospitals that have specific uh, packages for their staff. Some would say they treat you and you pay 50%. Some would take care of certain specific tests and others. But then what we want is a clear policy that makes healthcare unambiguously free for doctors and if possible other healthcare professionals in the country. And that is what we are talking about. So that when I leave my facility mm -hmm. and appear at, say, uh, Nalerugu Health Center, and not that I'm being treated in my facility, they should be able to take care of me, showing the fact that I'm a health worker or a doctor for that matter. Take care of my health needs for free. And the reason being that you are at the forefront of medical care? Of course. I mean, bankers get various rebates on even loans they take from their banks, don't they? So it is very, we feel it is very unfair that those are the forefront, putting their lives in the line. You saw during COVID how many people died, including seasoned professionals and consultants who died right in the face of it. Many doctors getting infected in the line of duty. Mm. And we think that is important as a way of motivating people and also retaining their skills and the rare skills that, that they come with at the forefront of the healthcare sector. But, but, but how is this particular situation, how, how is that impacting negatively on the welfare of doctors, especially, especially those that require medical attention? So again, you realize that the health of a health worker, that's one of the things that we discussed during the conference. The health of a health worker has serious impact on the care they deliver. For example, if I am sick or I'm feeling so exhausted, it will be difficult for me to operate the number of cases I would have to operate. That then means those I'll have to operate may have to wait longer. If it was a cancer, it's not waiting for me to get well. The cancer will be progressing. It also has impact on the way I deliver the service, the quality of care, and even sometimes on patient safety. And that is very important. So if the doctor cannot afford his man hours that may be lost, seeking care, in delayed care, has serious impact for the employer as well because he's losing money, quote-unquote, by the minute and by the hour. Even if I had, quote-unquote, to pass on, God forbid, what that means, you have to get another person to replace me and the cost of that, per the hours, years needed to train such people to get back into the service is very huge. So it's best we spend even less taking care of uh, doctors and, for that matter, other healthcare professionals better whilst they are serving us in the forefront. And I believe this is not for us to even talk about. For the public who we take care of should be actu actually at the forefront demanding that the employers make sure that 
we are well taken care of, then our minds are at peace, and then we are a better place to be able to deliver the, the quality care that we need to take care and of. This, and this clearly mirrors into the general or, or the bigger picture of conditions of service for members of the, uh, of the Ghana Medical Association. Yes. So now, let's focus on that for a little while. Yes. So conditions of service. The pronouncement that came from the president, including uh, secured pension and then the possibility of you retiring on your salary, is this outside what you have before the Fair Wages and Salaries Commission or is part of it? It is part of it. Is it part of it? Yes, it is. So, I mean, when you are employed in the public sector, the pension system is, is quite clear. Why do you want to be treated differently? Why do you want to be treated as members of the Article 71 office holders? Well, um, we are not necessarily asking to be treated so differently, per se. But then you realize that not everybody enjoying retirement or salary are part of the Article 71, office holders. But they are enjoying. We believe that for all the service that we provide, we are not seeing every single doctor, but at certain ranks. We think that their long service to the country should be well rewarded and recognized. Mm. We have seen other cadres. I do not want to mention specific groups or names because probably it might look as though we are targeting specific groups. Mm. But then there are other service providers within this country whose top hierarchy or at certain levels retire on their salary. Mm. And why not doctors? Article 71 is quite clear on it. Well, Article For 70... example, if, if you want to respond to the political cycle, yes. you can talk about the president. Yes. If you want to take it to the judiciary, we are looking at the chief justice and members of the Supreme Court. Yes. If you want to take it to perhaps the police, there's a, there's a rank when you get to... Very good. If you, go, if you take it to the military... The prison the service, yes. so, the judicial so, service. So you are saying that every member of the GMA in public service should be entitled to this as well? Not every member. We are saying at certain ranks. I do not want to disclose too much because we are negotiating. And so above certain ranks which we are discussing on the table, we believe that those should be on, 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 retire on their salary rather than retire into poverty. And the reason is that you think that you are not being recognized of as it's been done by the Constitution to some category. My brother, if you call a service essential health, essential services, for which the police are part, isn't it? The army are part, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And the others you are mentioning, because we feel that for such groups, they must be treated well to that extent so that they are at peace to be able to serve the country, come rain or shine. How come health, which is a very critical segment, highlighted even by COVID, have been excluded from this? So we are just asking that analogous ranks within the sector, especially for us as doctors and dentists serving the public sector, it's just only fair that we retire on our salaries too. And this is coming at a time where there's actually this debate about the public purse. Yes. The need for us to cut down on the expenditure. Yes. In fact, as it relates to Article 71, we've heard some political pronouncements from former President Mahama, who is bidding to lead yeah. uh, the country again, say that if he is elected, he's going to reform it, make it such that such payment will be restricted to certain people. So you want to even add on more to the public expenditure? No, they are two different things. Yeah. We are not asking for any big exgratia. Mm. Our salaries, if you, were, if you care to know, the, what the basic salary is, is small money. I mean, if you compare it to what those in Article 71 take, and we are also, they are also going to take exgratia, which is tied to every four years, multiplied by the terms mm. they stay in Parliament. Ours is not like that. We are just asking 
the salaries we attain at the rank at which we are exiting. Just give that to us. Not too much. We are not asking too much at all. It, Just that. And it's different from... Is this the first time this proposal is surfacing? This proposal has been on the table. Indeed, our conditions of service expired last year. We have engaged government since last year. So on, what, on what conditions and began are this now? year. Of course, the conditions of service, when they expire, hold still until the new one comes into force. Right. And so we are still operating by that. We have had negotiations on this. It has moved to a certain point, but we believe that all the other things that we are putting on the table should be considered. And, therefore, and this is one of the very, very important ones. Is this different from the secured pension you are also proposing? Well, retirement or salary is one of them. Right. And then the other things that go with it, like the health care, as we are talking about, we think that retirees who go on pension, and that is when they, after serving for so long, they have the lower back problems, the nerve compressions, the cardiac issues, and others. That is not when they now, when their monies have been dropped big time down, that they have to spend so much on health. And many of them find themselves in, I mean, poverty, except a few who might have other things doing. So health care benefits for even retirees and their, their, their spouses at that time should all be taken care of as part of that package. And we believe this is nothing, uh, we are not asking for, as my president said, the moon should swallow the sun. But the picture you are painting to me this afternoon, mm -hmm. and perhaps to our viewers, mm -hmm. is gloom. I mean, everybody, a lot of people, I'm, I'm sure that if you should go to any, any school right now and ask, mm -hmm. how, what do you want to become when you grow up? I'm sure you'll find 90% of them say, I want to become a doctor. Yes. Yeah, the picture you are painting doesn't look too good for a medical practitioner. Well, the truth is, um, if you want proof, then you should find proof in the fact that now, every single month, between 100 to 150 doctors are seeking clearance from the Medical and Dental Council to leave the country. Wow. The picture is that the GRNMA has told you you have between three to 5,000 nurses leaving the country in the first quarter and every quarter. And I guess we are tempted as well. Well, maybe you'll be interviewing me from London next time. Wow. But that's not true. Um, <laughs> what we're asking for is not too difficult. As mm -hmm. I keep saying, if we call a service essential, then you must treat them as essential service providers. And we believe that as doctors and dentists serving in the public sector, we should be treated as such. And because we are exposed to several hazards, and we are not being compensated commensurate to those hazards, both infectious hazards like infectious diseases, COVID has given us too many examples of that already. Then you also have the non-communicable diseases that we have to deal with. Working long hours, having to deal with patients die in front of you, lack of equipment depressing you and all that. And we've seen recent times a number of doctors developing mental health conditions. Some even proceeding... Because of what they are overwhelmed with what they are seeing. They are overwhelmed with work. Work rate. Lack of rest. They don't even have rest. Recreational periods, people are on leave. They have to try to make ends meet, so they have to do some locum to make, make sure they're able to get enough money to even pay their kids' school fees and do the basic stuff that they have to But do. in action for this, have you yes. also looked at the, the times that we are in? Our, our economy is struggling. Everybody is aware of this. Well, and some will say that you guys are demanding so much. Well, you should what, have sympathy for the Ghanaian economy. We do have sympathy, and that is why, as I mentioned to you, and what our president told you, we've had, we have had patience with government. 
and that is why conditions of service expired last year. But we gave government some time, and then we have come to the table somewhere middle of this year. And that, I think, is a show of good faith. We are not asking for an increment in salary. We are just asking that what you have signed with us, make sure you come good on it. And then some other things going forward, which can make the lives of people comfortable, make the professionals want to even stay in the country. Because if you get out of this country, you have genius of ours. I'm a specialist of six years and counting standing. But a genius of mine travels to the UK. He's not a specialist. But he's taking about eight times my salary. How much does a junior daughter earn in Ghana as we speak? Currently, it's nothing much to write home about. 10,000 cities? Much less than that. Five I don't five. want to embarrass my junior colleagues, so let's leave that. What about it's, specialists? It's, it's less than that. As my president once said on your, on your platform, him as a senior specialist, his salary is less than $1,005. So we, is it the case that we don't value your service or we can't pay what you are demanding for? We do not, on the contrary, we don't think that you cannot pay for our service. What I think we need to clarify is that it's not as if public servants uh, are being done some favor by paying their salaries. Public servants also generate revenue for government. And therefore, the worker deserves their wages, as my president has said. I believe that if we set our priorities right and put a few measures in place, we, I believe we can take good care, at least not much what happens out there, but at least make life basically comfortable enough for people to want to stay, develop themselves, feel happy to serve as doctors and dentists in the public sector. So you've, you've mentioned the secured pension, the salary yes. issues. What other the things, healthcare. The healthcare, what yes. other things are contained in these conditions of service that you are hoping that it will come to fruition before January 1? Let me speak about the waiver that our president said. The vehicles. Yes. Our president talked about the fact that in the past, we used to be able to import one car in five years at the engine capacity of 1.8 liters uh, on waivers where the taxes are waived off. Of course, we know there are other taxes which are not waived, waived off, and you pay those taxes, some of these duties. But what we are asking is the main duty to be waived off. When a person graduates from school, one of the first few things they need as a doctor, which even aids their work, is, is, is a car. Um, not a big car like yours, but just a simple car, 1.8 liters. Of course, if they expand the, the literature, it's even better. A car, some small house to be able to manage your family. So that society doesn't say you went to study for so long and you look at him, you have nothing to show for. So that policy was helping because most people would be able to import at least some accident or some simple vehicle from out there. And then the tax is waived for you. And the tax is waived. So it cuts down on the cost. That then was abolished. And a lot of people, I'm sure if you talk about importing cars now, it's very expensive. Absolutely. So a lot of people are unable to afford that. And as I said, it aids our work. Many people are not accommodated at the site of their facilities, except a few places, maybe in the districts. So if somebody stays at Adenta, he's called for an emergency. He doesn't have a car. He now has to look for a trotro, wait for an Uber for 15 minutes, 10 minutes. It adds to the dangers that the public has. And so we believe that if the person is able to afford a car, making those conditions a bit better for them, that helps. And that's why we're happy by the Deputy Finance yeah, Minister. Uh, the, the uh, exemption uh, law has been passed. 
Yes. Which now means that government can go ahead and can grant look at waiver. granting that. And we think that we, that should be. We also think that government should look at ways, just as they've graciously done with affordable housing and other things, for public sector workers to take uh, advantage of. We are looking at some of these things on the table. Mm. But those are a few I can discuss on this. Of course, we are still negotiating and we can't discuss everything. But healthcare is something we are thinking is very, very important. Healthcare for doctors and dentists in the public sector. We have talked about the vehicle waiver, retirement on salaries, something else we've also talked about. And we think some of these basic things, at least once started, should be some things that can at least ease the burden on us and help us to serve the country better. I remember last year, or is it this year, UTAC, yes. that's the University Teachers Association of Ghana, yes. you know, made demands on government. One of them was that government should pay them uh, in dollars, I mean, at a certain rate. Yes. Such that they would deal with inflation. Perfect. And Perfect. And I don't know whether this is the same you're also demanding in this set of conditions that we have well, in the government. We definitely, if government can pay us in dollars, why not? That saves the value of whatever you are paid. We are cognizant of the difficult times, but we are discussing. If they can do that, that helps all of us. Yes. You also want uh, classification as to who a medical doctor is and then uh, how you want to be described. Yes. Educators, I, I, I don't really get the points that you are trying to put mm-hmm. across. Right. What exactly do you want? Is okay. a medical doctor not enough for okay. a practitioner? Well, um, in, in places where it is straightforward, not too much problem comes with these things. But what we are calling for is because of the proliferation of this title, doctor. Mm. Now, if you consider the Health Professions Regulatory Bodies Act, it is only doctors who should hold themselves by that title in this country, in the clinical space, that is. And so if you were even to call yourself a doctor in the clinical space and pretend to be such, it is actually an offense. Now we have seen that other cadres within the health space have proceeded to, should I say, develop programs that entitle them to call themselves doctors Mm. and, and things like that. What that does, especially in our country where everybody sees the male person in the hospital as As a doctor doctor. and the female as a nurse, is that we are creating confusions in the minds of the people as to who a medical doctor and a dental surgeon is. And we have seen, even on your platform recently, that unscrupulous individuals and even some cadres or professionals have proceeded to dupe patients and even some to the extent of harming patients with faulty treatments and etc. Because the patient sees them and, oh, they are doctors, so, so, and so. Oh, and they're over to me, Ashwami. Can you attend to this for me? And they would not proceed to clarify to the patients that this is the kind of doctor that I am. We know by the Public Health Act, which embodies the patient's charter, that the patient is entitled to know who is treating them, their qualifications they are treating them with and other information as relevant. And so what we are seeing is no different from what the patient's charter across the world guarantees, so that we can distinguish ourselves properly. And how do you do that? How do you want to do that? And so what we have proceeded to do is that instead of just putting the doctor title in the clinical space, doctor title, Mm. you proceed, if you are a medical doctor, you proceed and add doctor med, so so and so. And if you are a dental surgeon, doctor dent, so, so, and so. For those in the academic circles, so 
your, even your, in the medical well, field, if you can yes. stay there a little, a little longer. Yes. I know, for example, my sister went to KNU University to do uh, herbal medicine. Herbal medicine. And then, um, to, and then after, she was supposed to do another two years in Mampong. Yes. And then she would come out as doctor of uh, herbal medicine or something. Obviously. Exactly. So as professional as she is, yes. how does she describe herself in the hospital? So I do not want to speak to that. Mm-hmm. I know some of them we've heard they are using the title doctor. But for medical and dental practitioners here, medical doctors and dental surgeons who are mandated by law to be called so, we want to speak to ours. And that is Dr. Med and then Dr. Dent. So anybody is there so much confusion in the hospital regarding this title issue? I think recently you ran uh, an article where somebody was signing a certain document for somebody, there's an accusation of extortion and etc. Yes. Turns out the person is not a medical doctor. And sometimes the media compounds this. So you have people sitting in the studio, he said, man, so doctor, so, so, and so. We recently had somebody giving interesting uh, postulations about <laughs> prostate cancer, yeah. breast cancer. Turns out the person is not a medical doctor, mm. but we just refer to the person. The person, I don't want to speak to what the person has done. So for us, as Ghana Medical Association, we are willing to help you as media, to educate the public. First, demand whoever is seeing you. Are they Dr. Med or Dr. Dent? And then it's important and it's within their rights to do so. And that's why we've encouraged our colleagues not to get offended when the patient asks that because it's the patient's right to do exactly so. And then display that in your name tags, your practitioner stamps, and any other document that is relevant so that people know the difference. So that if I go and do something, I can be treated for the professional that I am in that particular profession rather than be referred to in a generic for which so many people are using the same title. And this doesn't just stop at just a title change, but it speaks to patient safety as well. Patient safety and quality of care so that you know who is treating you, what kind of things are they allowed to do by law or not to do, and then you can demand accountability of same from them. Let me quickly wrap up on the uh, conditions of service. I don't, when are you expecting the Fair Wages and Salaries Commission to call you to finalize this once and for all? Well, um, like yesterday, we were called for meetings middle of the year. Mm. As having been patient for over a year, we started negotiations. Things have faced a snag. We haven't had any calls from them. The budget is soon to be read. On Wednesday, actually. Well, so for us, we are ready and willing to be called today, tomorrow, to sit at the table, make some good progress so that it is captured. Captured or not, for us, by January 2024, we expect that whatever it is due us should be granted so that we at least can manage with the difficult economic times, even okay. as we remain patient with government. Otherwise, then the only option, lay down your shoes. We have not said so, uh, that we are going on strike or that, but we advise ourselves accordingly when it gets there. So we hope that the government will call you to deal with this. But as we look forward to the budget on Wednesday, apart from your personal issues in the health sector, what is the GMA expecting? We have spoken about logistical constraints in many facilities. And as I have said, many facilities continue to deal with uh, difficulties in having basic equipment. Some regions may not necessarily have CT scans. And sometimes uh, uh, logistics, basic logistics for health workers to be able to deliver the care in the quality way that they need to do. We expect that there should be some allocations for things like that. 
We also expect that government should speed up the construction of the hospitals that are available. The Agenda 111. Agenda 111. And also some of them that are still yet to be utilized. And then in particular, the La General Hospital one, which served a huge enclave of the country. Uh, it's one of the ones that we have uh, as an association followed up directly on. We have been informed that some efforts are being made to restart. We have been told by the trade minister that the finance minister will have an announcement for us on Wednesday. On the La General Hospital. The reconstruction of the La General Hospital. We are happy about that, but it's one of the things that we want to emphasize because we have followed that up. That serves a huge enclave, mm. but we expect that this should be sped up and finished. But then beyond just finishing these facilities, we expect that government puts in measures to, em to employ the requisite staff numbers to be able to man uh, these facilities. Again, National Health Insurance is one of them. They should look at the tariffs. Many facilities are looking at how difficult these tariffs are. As much as it, it has been increased, and we are grateful for that, they should look at the tariffs and then also pay them on time even though we, we credit government for having done well. In What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The, 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 the health insurance uh, uh, to facilities uh, much better than in the past, but we expect that they should do more so that facilities can be able to get the necessary tools, logistics and equipment, and then also motivate their human resource to be able to serve the people better as we move forward. From, from, from where you sit, from the office of the GMA, and then, you know, following the media reportage on the Rena Center at Kolebu Teaching Hospital, and yes. indeed the challenges with, you know, Rena Care across yes. the country. Yes. How is the GMA looking at all of this? And is there any proposal from the GMA to permanently deal with this matter so that people who have deal with dialysis matters, don't have to go through the challenges of struggling to even assess it when even you have the resources to do so. All right. So for Ghana Medical Association, we have had various engagements on this matter. But we look at it slightly differently. There are many, many other conditions just beyond dialysis. Even though dialysis is a dire thing and we are currently discussing that, cancers are one, for example. We know NHI has taken some of them. And some people also get accidents, various other chronic conditions. We believe that there must be a, a clear and holistic discussion of this matter so that we don't now talk about dialysis, finish, and now we are now moving to this and moving to one. We think that clearly the facility, Kolebu, and it's not only Kolebu, Confanoti is also yeah. doing it. Dialysis is expensive. And so we must put in measures with clearly earmarked funding sources so that when people fall into such situations, they will be able to pay from the pool that is taking care of that. 
Beyond that, we should also look at how the facilities can charge realistic rates for those who can afford it or are not falling into the insurance space so that the facilities too can run. Asking them to open without putting these measures in place, um, we will just come back to the yeah, same conversation the, the, over the time. The unanswered question is how do we sustain Sustainability. The, the running of the center exactly. after opening it? Because exactly. uh, until the, 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 the so-called contract between Kolebu and the South African company is reviewed, exactly. the Kolebu has to go according to the details of the contract. Exactly. Government, we are told last week, is finalizing uh, the payment of the 4 million Ghanas. It's unclear whether that money has been paid. There's a fees and charges proposal that Kolebu has put before parliament. That has not even found the a, it's just yes. to find expression on the floor of parliament. Yes. So there are so many steps that we have to exactly. overcome before we can have a final decision exactly. on the issue of it. But you heard the National Health Insurance Authority CEO, the government met on this matter, and very soon a comprehensive approach to dealing with the matter yes. will be put in the public domain. Yes. Sustainability. That's the main thing. There's the proposal for the NHIA to include this. But the fear is that including it may be simple, but paying may be the, the, the obstacle here. But so there are so many issues. Yes. So for us, you know, let me use a medical analogy. It's like writing a very expensive medication for you. Mm. Go and buy, you can't get to buy, or you can't afford it. <laughs> and so for us, that's why we are saying that there must be a holistic look at the issue of funding of those high-value uh, uh, conditions or chronic conditions that bedevil Ghanaians. And often, it is those people who cannot afford it that tend to have it. But beyond that, our call is whilst we are working at this, we must be looking also at preventive measures. And that is one of the reasons we keep calling and hammering the fact that we should fund preventive services in the country. I know NHI has piloted some form of way of uh, preventive or health promotion activities, but then we must make it so that before we even get into kidney failure to get that, more and more of us are checking ourselves from year to year. If it's even one particular screening barrage where you take tests, make sure you are doing that. And then also public education on the fact that we need to exercise, live healthier lifestyles, make sure we don't abuse certain medications that cause damage to the kidneys. Uh, the ladies who are bleaching using certain medications for now, which is looking cool, but then their kidneys are going to fail after a while. Some using uncontrolled or, or unlicensed herbal medications that right. damage the kidneys. So that and some also working out not knowing the, the, their BP level and all their BP issues. levels exactly. So we should be able to put mechanisms in place to encourage people to be mindful of their health, check themselves from time to time, adopt healthier lifestyles. We are constructing roads without sidewalks for people to walk. Mm. We are constructing roads without bike lanes for people to be able to ride bikes healthily. And those things all must come into the picture so that whilst we deal with the funding issues, if we are overwhelmed with numbers, the funding issue will remain an issue forever and for sustainability. But if we are able to prevent, that also is very important. So you are going to be in office for how long? A year or two? Our tenure is up to 2025 now. So it's two years in our tenure. So what is the agenda for you? I mean, what are you hoping to achieve within the period that you will serve as leadership of the Ghana Medical Association? Well, uh, for, for us as new elected executives under the leadership of uh, Dr. Med Frank Seribo, mm -hmm. uh, the major thing which is our focus is our members. Our member welfare, their health care, their pensions, 
their salaries issues, their remuneration. And beyond that is also our role in society, in influencing policy, laws, and things that make the average Ghanaian relevant in the scheme of things for government. And that is why he also spoke about Galamsey. Yeah, of course. He says, and I mean, talked about Galamsey. The reports we are getting from the illegal mining areas is not the best, especially newborn babies. Very the good. Informities they are, they are coming out with. Very good. So he spoke about that, and we have met on this, and we might be taking certain drastic decisions going forward mm. if things persist, because the country's future is under, is under serious threat. And what are some of the drastic measures you are contemplating? Uh, when it gets there, we'll take those decisions. I, I do not want to speak for the Council of the Ghana Medical Association. What we are doing is to monitor the situation. We have released statements in the past, and we have engaged various actors, which we think at the time played some role when the fight was up to bring activities down. But if we think this is going on, we will consider our options and take certain decisions that we believe would force those con uh, 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 continuously doing these wicked and evil acts against the country to stop. All right. So, Dr. Salome, uh, I think we are bringing our, our discussion to, to, to a close. Uh, for the thousands, the last time I checked, your membership is about 7,000. Well, uh, we have close to about 12,000 doctors. 12,000. The prayer is that they all stay and work. But what are you telling them this afternoon? Well, uh, apart from us, first to say thank you to our members who made the time to join the annual general conference in Takrade. It is one of our best and well attended conferences. Members actively partook in all sessions, contributed important points to how to inform policy, our speakers, and then various actors, including the media who were there to cover it. We say a big thank you. Uh, next year, we are meeting in Ho to discuss other important matters. However, we want to appeal to our members that they should continually render the good service they are rendering to the good people of Ghana and that they should know that we are there as executives for them and will continue to seek their welfare across the country. To other health workers, we want to say that uh, this fight is not between us or anybody. Uh, we expect that you support us in calling for the changes that we are calling for, for government to come. And beyond that, you also get to benefit as, as part of the, the global picture. And therefore, uh, we, we encourage them to support us as we call for healthcare packages for all of us. We call for various things to be reinstituted to allow uh, uh, us to serve better logistics being provided and the mental health of health workers especially to be taken care of and prioritized as many doctors, health workers and co are suffering from various uh, things as a consequence of the high stress nature of the work that we do. So thank you very much for having You're us. You're welcome. And, then, and viewers, uh, he kept mentioning the fact that, I mean, he kept starting introducing his colleagues as Dr. Meg. Clearly, that, clearly this is how they will, be, they will be introducing themselves, let me say, from today. Yes. Because they want to make a clear distinction between who a medical doctor is and others who describe themselves as doctors. For their safety. For their own safety. And so they should demand it so when, when they go to the hospital. hospital. So if, if a doctor is attending to you, you have every right to demand whether the person is yes. a medical doctor or another doctor in another field. Yes. Mm. So you should see doctor med or doctor dent. And that is the clear distinction that you must see if the person claims he's a doctor. All right. We'll be following your activities. All right. But in the meantime, we wish you the very best. Thank you very as much. As we see the affairs of the Ghana Medical Association. Thank you very much. This is the pause here on Joy News. We're also live on DSTV and the Go channels. We're also available on all our social media platforms. Now, let me shift from the, uh, the health sector 
and take you to Parliament because Parliament has beat a U-turn. After intense public backlash over decision to hold the post-budget workshop at the Rock City Hotel in Kou in the Eastern Regions. MP were set to travel and stay at Rock City for three days for the workshop, but the NDC Member of Parliament for Buim raised the issue on the floor, fighting the decision because of the cost implications. But today, Speaker of Parliament Arban Babin explained that the cost to Parliament to host the event at the Rock City Hotel was so high compared to other similar facilities in the country. Any objective person and any patriot looking at the report as a guide will not say the post-budget workshop be held at Rock City. The copy is there for everybody to come and look and read. The details are here. And as a speaker, I will not shortchange the interests of the country. Just because Honorable Brian Achampon is my friend. I won't do that. Please, I'm not talking about people attending or not attending. I'm talking about the right decision. And so, Honorable Member, I can identify you. Please. You don't interrupt the speaker when he's speaking. The report is here. I am tempted to go by the proposals that were made on the floor. These discussions on the floor that day ignited a public debate of the matter. And in the social media, internationally, Parliament was taken to the cleanest. And members were considered as being insensitive and greedy. And that our Parliament was not responsive to the interests of Ghanaians. But there was no such decision. The thing was still under discussion. So last week, as you heard it and watched it on Joy News, the business statement for this week was adopted, and that gave the indication that Parliament was going to hold the post-budget workshops at the Rock City at Kowal in the Eastern Region. But today, both the minority and the majority leaders have now agreed that a workshop be held in Parliament. In view of the fact that, Mr. Speaker, you are saying that uh, it generated a lot of heat, my advice, and I guess I will have the buy-in of the minority leader, is to entreat members that we hold the, the post-budget workshop here. If it's about cost, we plead with members to avail themselves. So we hold it here and not go anywhere. And not travel anywhere again. I will treat my colleague to join ranks with me and we'll move on. The Honorable MP for Buem, the Honorable Kofi Adams, has indicated publicly that there is the need for Ghana's Parliament to consider holding the post-budget workshop here. Mr. Speaker, he said this in good faith. 
considering the mood of the country, considering the state of our economy, so Speaker, it is only right, it is only right that as members of parliament we attempt to save the public's purse. Speaker, I support the call from the Honorable Member from, from, from Bweb, the Honorable Kofi Adams, that the post-budget workshop should be held here. So speaker, this is particularly important. So speaker, this is particularly important because speaker, clearly, clearly, we have to save the country from further expenditures. So speaker, I'm urging colleagues that in as much as we are holding the post-budget workshops here, members must also ensure that they attend. They must attend, and we should all participate fully. So speaker, oftentimes when you hold workshops here, members do not participate properly. And so, Mr. Speaker, I'm pleading with colleagues, I'm pleading with colleagues that we should all endeavor to participate and concentrate throughout the post-budget workshop while we hold it here. What is the ruling of the Speaker? We can now listen to Alban Babin, the Speaker of Parliament. I believe that democracy has finally decided and the people have prevailed on their representatives to decide that this year's post-budget workshop be held here in Parliament. Honourable members, it is so decided. But reporting will definitely be Saturday early in the morning. And we'll use the um, floor of the house as the main conference room. But the other conference rooms will serve for side workshops and the model has changed. We are now not going to listen to lectures from experts. It will not be lectures. It will be Training of trainers. So clearly, parliaments, you know, somersaulting two times before landing. That is the situation as you have it on your screens. But I mean, to put it in proper context, usually after the presentation of the budget, there is the, the, the post budget workshop, three days uh, that members of parliament usually converge at a particular place. They are taken through the dictates of the budget. And then when they come back to the house, they now go through the debate. Of the budget and then part resolution on it whether to accept it or reject it and then go into the consideration of the estimate and then finally they will pass the appropriation bill so that government can spend the ensuing year so this time it will not be held in the hotel but in the chamber of parliament and of course also in the offices that parliament uh, has kofia j is from our data uh we are looking forward to wednesday yeah. what should we look forward to well, Wednesday is going to be the 2024 budget statement that will be read in Parliament. And you're asking me what we should look forward to. I think that this time around, we are going to see more 
of the IMF elements, you know, in the 2024 budget because we have the first tranche and we are actually expecting the second tranche to hit our account very soon after completing, uh, you know, the first review and then also meeting all the requirements. But if you look at the 2024 budget, there are certain things that Ghana we have to meet because I am looking at our tax-to-GDP ratio as indicated in the IMF program, and we have a big tax to actually complete, move our tax-to-GDP ratio from that around 13% to somewhere around 16% by the end of the you know, IMF program. And this should quickly tell you that it will be difficult for the government to do away with any form of tax that has been already implemented probably they'll be doing some tweaking so that some of the taxes can bring in more revenue. Already, if you look at the E-Levy, first it was projected to bring in about 7 billion Ghana cities. It did not bring that money. And I'm looking at the provisional data from the finance ministry, and if you look at it, it's clear that the E-Levy could miss its target again for the second year after its inception. We are looking for, I think, close to uh, more than 800 million Ghana 800 million Ghana cities. This, but, 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 I mean, this is where it gets interesting. Yeah. I mean, when you look at data from the Bank of Ghana, even data from MTN itself, mm-hmm. and you look at the, tra- the, the volume of transactional data the, using Momo, mm-hmm. versus over a trillion Ghana cities. Yes. yes. And yet, government revenue is just small. Yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting, just like you said, if you look at it over the period, the cumulative data in terms of both transaction, um, you know, and value of transaction, volume of transaction and value of transaction, they've all gone up by a significant magnitude. But we are not really getting the target that we set for ourselves to get from the E-Levy, possibly because, you know, people are now finding ways and means to go around the system. People are doing more transactions, but they are finding ways and means to do away with the tax. And so probably government would have to, as part of the revenue measures that is supposed to go under review um, in the IMF program, and then government has said that there's going to be some review. The review is supposed to help them optimize their, you know, bringing in more revenue and raking in so much from what we are already experiencing. And so just like you said, Transaction, volume of transactions, they've all gone up, but it is not reflecting in terms of the amount that government is raking in from the E-Levy. So it's interesting. It is unclear how much government is seeking to appropriate Mm -hmm. in 2024, but clearly what we cannot dismiss is the fact that uh, revenue generation is going to be very high on the agenda, which means widening the tax net and bringing in more money. Yeah, So, so another angle probably is cutting cutting off, you know, expenditure. Government has already done that. In the IMF program document, if you look at the number of tax reviews that we have to do, the IMF estimates that if we are able to do all of this, I think there are about four elements. If you're able to do all of this, it's supposed to add about 1% to GDP. It includes the, the VAT and I think other forms of taxes. If you're able to do all of these things properly, we are supposed to add 1% to our GDP by the end of probably this year or next year. And that's a huge target for government to to look at it. If you look at this year, for instance, that's the first time that our expenditure crossed more than 200 billion Ghana cities. We do not know the projected expenditure for 2024, but what we know is that government will be working hard to close that budget deficit 
we've been experiencing. But that also means a less spending. Less spending. It could be less spending coming together with more revenue. So it depends on how you look at it. Are we going to do more revenue and still maintain the expenditure because you've been asked to, to increase your budget allocation to lead program education, look at health and all of those things? How is it going to affect those areas? But if you still want to maintain your expenditure, then you have to go ahead to increase revenue. Thankfully, thankfully, Elton, we've been able to get that $104 million from the African Development Bank. Exactly. And that's good news for us going into 2024. We are expecting that the IMF will give us the additional $600 million 2024. And then also, the kind of restructuring we are seeking from, from uh, external creditors will give us the fiscal space, which is estimated around $3.5 billion every year. So if you are able to do all of these things, there's a huge fiscal space for us to go into 2024, but that's an election year. And when you create that big fiscal space, people are scared how government will utilize it. But the space. Ten, the, around the same issue is also the fact that we have so many uncompleted projects mm -hmm. that have been suspended because mm -hmm. of lack of funding, because yeah. the sponsors have simply uh, withdrawn their, yeah. their, their funding for these projects. And these projects are begging for financial support yeah. to see completion. Government will be desirous to mm -hmm. see the completion of some of these projects. We can talk about so many exactly. uh, road projects scattered across the country exactly. that requires financial support to see them through. Agenda 111, mm -hmm. a capital-intensive project. I mean, you, you cannot present a, a budget without... The telling, yes, Beach you, Road. You yeah. obviously cannot present a budget without telling the public yeah. that this is what I'll, I'll be doing for you. Every community will be expecting some level Something. of development in their community. And those developments will not come cheap. Not come it has to be funded, not come and that is the issue. And here is the case that you are, you are not, you are not, you are not attractive enough for anybody to lend you yeah. money because your ability to pay is being questioned here. It's so yeah. it is some kind of a hole that government finds itself in. Well, and how the how government gets out is is, 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 is is actually the issue. Exactly. But if you look at the AFDB money, for instance, it comes in the form of grants. So it means it's not like your usual 750 million loan that we got from the market when we were kicked out of the eurobond market and also could not get access anywhere. And so if you look at all of this, Elton, just like you said, capital-intensive projects mm. that will cost the state millions of Ghana CDs. You mentioned, um, you know, uh, some, I mentioned some of, some projects like the Teshinungwa. I mean, for example, the, the La General Hospital. Exactly. The reason why work has yet to start Money. is because the sponsor withdrew the funding. Mm -hmm. Now we are told that the finance minister will tell parliament on Wednesday that government has this amount of money to do it. That will come from revenue generated internally. Exactly. Okay. But, but how about cathedral? Well, as for that one, we'll see how it is complete. But Kofi, I want to thank you so you're much welcome, for coming welcome. through to give us the latest figures on the 2024 budget. But let's stay a little longer on the budget because in 48 hours, the finance minister will be before parliament to present the 2024 budget. Already, Ghanaians are tabling their expectations. Key among them is a reduction of taxes to ease the financial burden on the working class. There's also a push for the president to share in the citizens' burden by beginning to pay taxes. Please give me a list on what and what we are going to tax him for. The young man who came and just spoke to you pays tax. Through his momo, through the water he drinks, 
COVID levy amongst many others what are we going to tax the president on i am here with the fix the country uh, fix the country group because they are all my sons and daughters they are unemployed and they are paying taxes i am unemployed and i am paying taxes i alone i will not pay tax if he cannot pay tax i should pay tax i think uh it is a very legitimate concerns that has been raised by, you know, these um, stakeholders or um, individuals in the country that the president equally needs to pay taxes. I think it's it's a legitimate concern. And if you look behind me, you can see the Osajifu Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, who once also became a president of this republic. And I don't think Kwame Nkrumah was paying taxes. But Kwame Nkrumah believed his responsibility as a president. His role as a president in the lives of the ordinary people on the streets, in the, in the deplorable villages, which we call. So my problem is not about the president paying taxes. My problem is, is the president actually upholding to the responsibility as a president in this country? All the benefits we've been giving to them, even if they are upholding to the responsibilities they are supposed to uphold, I don't think taxations and whatever will be our problem. Well, I believe that um, the president, looking at the extent of his work um, and then what he does, should not pay tax. Yes, because um, his, his, his system of work, what he does, thinking of the whole nation and all that, I don't believe he should pay tax. But then, um, that is why we picked him as a leader. Looking at um, the platonic suggestion of leadership, a leader should should be somebody who should be protected and then should should be kept and then go through thorough teaching, so that he all he does is that he should put things together and put things right. And so basically, I think that if you're a good citizen, you should set an example for the nation or your citizenry to follow. All right. So being a president, I think you should be the one to set example for us to, I mean, to follow. So the president should pay tax. Well, I never knew that the president doesn't pay tax. So for if you said it right now, I think the president should pay tax. Seriously, because they get everything for free. And, and, and it's, for me, it's wrong. Since they are being paid, they don't need to get things for free. They have to pay everything. Because as a normal Ghanaians, we are being paid, we are paying our tax, look at the shops and everything. So the president is not far from the citizens, so he needs to pay tax. Okay, Mutum, because he's the president, he has been doing a lot for the country. So me, to me, I think she, he has to be exempted from paying the tax because he has been going through a lot. And in case the country needs any help, he's the one who leads us to get the help. So for me, he has to be exempted. Because he who the Ghana money, all the Ghana money, so he have to pay tax. I think the president should pay tax because he's a leader of the country. Uh, normal citizens are going up and down, paying taxes. Even when the little we have, we still pay taxes. So since the president is the leader of the country, he should lead by example by also paying tax. He should pay tax. The reason for him to pay tax is that it's also going to help the government because. The government needs a lot of things, and not all the citizens are to partake in it. The government must also join in it. I saw my president credit social tax. 
And tax is so cheap. Saying you have tax nibi. And so what member president did? Was he pay? And was he pay? So he change. Can change also cheap tax. No, so the boy mine. You're watching the polls here on Join News. We're taking a short break. When we return, we'll look at the tech market and artificial intelligence. You stay right there. We'll be back. Introducing the Kensington Heights at Airport City, Kumasi, the largest modern smart city in West Africa. The Kensington Heights is your bridge to the skies where you can access direct flights to international destinations, including the USA, UK and Europe. Imagine a world where convenience, comfort and investment opportunities converge seamlessly. The Kensington Heights offers an incredible opportunity for families, investors and businesses worldwide. Enjoy spacious and beautifully designed luxury suites, executive suites, one-bedroom apartments, and two- and three-bedroom penthouses, complete with world-class amenities and easy access to the new Kumasa International Airport. All units are on sale now, starting at $69,950. Be a part of the future of Kumasi and reserve your property today. For more information, visit our website, www.thekensingtingheights.com or www.airportcitycom. There's a new emergency number in town. More money, more money, Charlie, and enjoyment. At the top life, we got Dial star 770 hash for all your money emergencies in top life. Dial star 770 hash for money emergencies and get easy and quick access to your money, loans, and other banking needs. Echo Bank, the Pan African Bank. Exhilarating experience at the main fair of the 2023 EcoBank Joy News Habitat Fair. Join us at the Accra International Conference Center from Thursday, November 23rd to Sunday, November 26th, 2023. Doors will be open from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. each day to welcome you. This year, we are diving into the theme of home ownership, exploring the nuances between affordability, comfort, and luxury. Whether you're embarking on your home ownership journey or looking for upgrades, this fair is your destination. 
for all things housing. Encounter a comprehensive assembly of stakeholders from Ghana's housing and construction sectors. Engage the experts across the spectrum of home creation and enhancement. The Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair is in partnership with Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank, and powered by the Plant City Extension Project from Citizen Habitats. Rent to Own and sponsored by Elegant Homes and General Constructions Limited, where quality meets value. Global Lighting, your solution to quality lighting. Syntex Tank, Air Strong, Air Tough. Springfield Estates, where dreams are built. Virtual Security, Complete Security Solution. DBS, your roof experts. Virtual InfoSec Africa, Security Solutions by Design. Alphabet City. The ABC of Home Sweet Home, St. Gobain Weber, Jiprock, Prorock, Placo, Isover, making the world a better home. Clifton Homes, beautiful homes, wise investments. The Kissington Heights, Airport City, Kumasi, by HDG Homes Limited. nation that honors its heroes is worth dying for. After months of rigorous contests for recognition in the regions and districts, the maiden edition of the Ghana Health Service Excellence Awards 2023, the grand finale comes off at the Grand Arena, Accra International Conference Center. Join us, celebrate, and honor our hardworking health professionals. Date, November 29, 2023. Our special guest of honor, Her Excellency, Mrs. Rebecca Akufuado, First Lady, Republic of Ghana. From 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., there'll be an exhibition, free health screening, blood donation, and public lectures. 6 p.m., arrival in style. And at 7 p.m., the main awards event begins. For sponsorship, contact 0244-125-314 or 0543 726-406 Ghana Health Service Excellence Awards Celebrating our heroes Our lifeline Welcome to the polls here on Joy News. Now to some other issues that we are dealing with this afternoon. And government is seeking to tap into the growing and emerging tech markets such as artificial intelligence to claw onto new jobs on a global stage for Ghana's youth. The idea is to cut back on joblessness and build wealth for the youth. Government calls restart. We have in the studio Director General for the Ghana India Kofianan Center for Excellence in ICT, Dr. Collins. Fari, Dr. You're welcome. Thank you. And I trust you are good. I'm good, very well. So, straight, straightforward question. Is my job at risk? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, artificial intelligence, I'm sure that's the reason you asked. Yes, exactly. It's not necessarily for us to lose our jobs, but mm. for us uh, to help make our jobs even more easier. Mm. So, I don't think that your job will, will be gone, at least. I mean, I'm, I'm asking this question because 10 years ago, some jobs that were safe have virtually been taken over by, you know, artificial intelligence. Sure. So, I mean, it, it depends on the regulation, right? Mm. If the government or whichever government finds itself dealing with artificial intelligence, um, it's able to regulate it well, uh, which will mean that they have to ring fence some of these uh, opportunities that, mm. are, you know, currently are being, people are working in. You don't want to cut that off and also go and fight unemployment at the same time. Mm. So the regulation of it will be key. And, and I'm hopeful that when that time comes, uh, regulatory uh, measures will be taken to help 
that people don't lose their jobs, but rather make it easier for people to do their, do their work. Because I know that even in the advanced countries like the UK and the US, it is the debate now. Yeah, I, how do we ensure that we have people, uh, how do we protect the jobs of other people whilst we also advance in technology? Right. So the regulatory regime will, will have to be almost perfect for this one because it's very disruptive technology. And then if we don't regulate it well, we might find ourselves in a kind of danger but i hope that when the time comes for the government to take it up you know they will all, all hands will be on deck to support that agenda so under this program what constitute restart what exactly is it about okay so restart is um as the name suggests is to help our unemployed youth and graduates um to some of them to restart their careers and, and others to be equipped with digital skills that is needed to help them compete in the global job market in the ICT space. So it's just a, a name that has been adopted, uh, but we have um, partners we are working with on this. Uh, we have the Smart Africa Digital Academy, uh, which is SADA. Uh, we have uh, the Ministry of Communications, Amada Ministry, and Digitalization, uh, headed by our Honorable Minister, Asla Usue Kufu. And then ourselves, Ghana India Kofi Annan Center of Excellence in ICT, uh, and being funded by the World Bank as part of the Ghana government's initiative of the digital transformation agenda. And what's the plan, really? Oh, the, for us, the plan is to train. Our minister made a, uh, a promise to train 10,000 youth and unemployed uh, citizens. Um, but with this, we call the first phase, mm. uh, which is the restart first phase, which we are working with SADA on. We plan to train. 1,550 uh, young individuals who may or may not have a job or who may want to change careers and other things to, to be able to be uh, equipped well digitally for them to be able to get some of these jobs that are already out there that uh, we think uh, is lacking. people are lacking the skills to be able to take those jobs. So 1,150 between now and April of 2024 is what we're looking at for this program. Who qualifies, if I may ask? Okay, the qualification is simple. You, you know, the youth that are unemployed, um, the as I said earlier, people who uh, may be furloughed, uh, people who may want to change careers, and then also we want to dwell on we need more women um, to tr help bridge the digital gap that we have. So the youth unemployed uh, graduate from the universities that may... Uh, find themselves in a crossroad that they don't have anything to do. You know, we hope to use this program to help them jumpstart or even get into a new employment. So, therefore, you must present some basic requirements before you are qualified to enroll for this program. Yes. So, some of the programs, at least one of them, you have to be, you have to have a tech background, uh, which is the Amazon Web Services. Uh, cloud computing one uh, because of the nature of it. It's a three-month uh, intensive training and that one you need to have some kind of degree in the technology space or, or um, computer science or other uh, telecommunication. But with the other ones, if you are a graduate from uh, you know, these technology schools and uh, you have, uh, you, you, you show competence that you can take it, you know, go through some interviews. So if you show competence that you can take the class, sure. We can we can we can be enrolled into this class. So so that, that means that you, you must have a university degree or from a technical university. Um, you don't have to come from technical university, mm -hmm. but uh, a university degree will help. 
but also we have some uh, SHS students, uh, graduates, who may also qualify. But the idea is not to plug them from, from some trying to go to school, trying to get them to, to work. So those who have already decided uh, that or those who have graduated from, from, from the university that are now seeking employment probably will be more suitable. And those who are already in employment who may not be underemployed or who may not uh, like what you are doing, per se, those are the kind of folks we are looking for in this program. And specific course? Okay, so the course are, are listed here. It's, uh, we have data analytics uh, using uh, Power BI, it's Power Business Intelligence. We have uh, data analytics using Python. We have uh, information technology infrastructure library, which is ITIL uh, version 4. Uh, and then we have cybersecurity cyber operations, data science, Microsoft Artificial Intelligence, right. your favorite mm -hmm. one, and then Amazon Web Services uh, Certified Cloud Practitioner Certification. So also with these, some of them, um, we will be able to support uh, these uh, individuals to go ahead and take the certification uh, exams. So that will be even, you know, even bolster their profile even more. So that's the plan for now, and we hope that uh, we're able to get the impact, derive the impact that we are seeking through the government's uh, agenda that we are, we are. And you are targeting to train 1,500 youth? Yes, uh, mm -hmm. between now and April, um, end of April, target for, for this program. There, there will be others, mm -hmm. and we hope that we'll get some sponsorship from the corporate Ghana, uh, those who, who see the need for, for, for this course who would uh, want to help us, uh, you know, would like to, to, to work with them because our minister has asked us to do 10,000 mm. uh, individuals uh, as part of this program. But this is the first phase that we hope to capture at least 1,550 of them so that, uh, you know, if you have support from other corporate entities, we can do more, even so. So, so this is wholly funded by governments? Yeah, this is funded by the World Bank mm -hmm. as part of the e-transform mm. project. 1,500, meaning that you've already recruited those you want to train? No, recruit, recruitment is ongoing. It's ongoing. It's uh, on our website, on our social media handles. Two of the, one of the classes, the Amazon AWS, has started. Uh, two weeks ago, we started that uh, in, our, in our center in Accra and also in our center in Sunyani. So we have two, two classes currently ongoing. Uh, we are launching this program tomorrow. So after tomorrow, I'm sure we'll see a lot of uptake in... Uh, in, in application activities that will help us streamline the process even better. And apart from here in Sumyan, you have centers across the country too? We have center in Bogatanga. That makes it three for us. We have teamed, we are, we are, on this program, we have teamed with uh, Kumase Technology University, Tenka University, KSTU. So they are providing us logistics there to have similar program there on their campus. So we are hopeful that uh, we'll cover you know, the northern belt using uh, Bogatanga, the middle belt, the middle belt with the Sunyani, uh, and also come south. We have Kumasi and Accra to, to cover this program. So you don't need to pay any money to be recruited? No, this is free. This is free? This is free for all, all citizens. You have to take care of yourself during the training. Uh, yes. Um, the, uh, if you're able to make it to the place, mm -hmm. to our, any of our centers, I think that's all that's required. Um, the trainings for the day wouldn't be longer than four hours, so we don't expect, but we'll provide the necessary um, um, fundamentals or whatnot that's, mm. that they may need. Yeah. So what really is the end game here? Because now, I mean, around the world, 
the kind of training we are offering this thousand five hundred, mm. and government expectation that it will scale it up to ten thousand. This, I mean, the jobs that are available, you see it all the time. They are recruiting people globally. Yes. So, what is the end game? I mean, what is the World Bank through the sponsorship seeking to do? The people you are training, what what is the level of expectation that you have of them, and how profitable would they be, and to what benefit would that be for the country? Okay, thank you. So, you know, the hope is that uh, each one of them who will be trained will either find a job, if not in Ghana, utilize uh, PPO services, this uh, business process outsourcing mm -hmm. that is now common that uh, anybody can take advantage of, but most people can't because they don't have the requisite skills. Mm -hmm. So you can actually sit here and then use your internet to work somewhere and then get paid in other currencies, yes. of course, that foreign exchange will yes. come for the government mm -hmm. to benefit. So they, you know, there are different prongs uh, in terms of benefits. But if, if they don't find a job, we hope that some of them can even start businesses with the skills that they are, these skills that they are, they'll be acquiring. So for us, it's, it's a, it's a win-win uh, for us as an organization, which is the capacity development uh, agency under the ministry. Mm. Uh, ours is to make sure that the, the youth uh, or the unemployed or, or all the citizens are skilled digitally to be able to compete. And that is what we seek to do with this, this program. So the benefits will come back to the, to the nation as people, if you are skilled and find a job somewhere that you are doing and you are paying taxes here, I think that's, those are all benefits that we can derive from it. So the but, impact is, is mm -hmm. clear. But is, is there a plan to possibly extend it to the, to the basic level? Because now I see a lot of schools, you know, offering ICT, even yes. from the primary all the way to DHS. So if you should cut them young, yes. you'll build their capacity before they get to the university so that you have a generation of, you know, IT-based people uh, coming up. Is there a plan to start from the base instead of yes. at the very top. Actually, uh, you stole my, my, my <laughs> we, we, um, Our minister, Honorable Asla Usui Kufo, mm. is passionate about, about uh, women empowerment and other things, uh, among other things. And she's leading the big effort uh, that we call the Girls in ICT uh, program mm. that was instituted by ITU that uh, every year we go out and we send our, our lecturers from Kofi Annan to go and teach Every, every region that we go, we make sure we teach 1,000 girls, young girls from SHR, uh, GHS and others. Mm. And then we go out and we teach these 100 teachers. Mm. And then that's the train the trainers. We train them. And then those teachers also teach the younger ones mm. in school. So they get picked from all districts. And then at the end, we go out and then we they teach them in developing software, Scratch, you know, office productivity and other things. That will help them. Think and also help them uh, be productive in their in their education. And uh, I think that program is seen a lot of benefits already. We have uh, seen some of the graduates coming back to even you know give back and to their communities and other things. So it's 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 important that we catch them young. And I think the Girls Nice City program. Uh, we have Women in Tech, which we also sponsor, which are for younger, even younger women uh, or older than the SHS people. We have uh, the girls, Women in ICT program mm. that also takes care of the university, the tertiary institution. So it's, it's, it's all over, but I keep saying women because that is a target. That is a target. Mm. Um, because I know, I, know, I, I know some schools here in Accra, mm. 
that are teaching coding, right. uh, robotics, and all the and these are very young, uh, year six, yeah. year seven. We do, we do taking them through all of these. Yes, we have a program like that. We do those around the summer when uh, the children are home. Mm. That we, we teach uh, young folks how to code using Scratch and other things. Um, so, you know, IT education or di- digital skilling it's has become part of us now. Uh, we need digital skills to be able to even survive, just to walk from... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was going to ask you, from where you sit, yeah. this is your area from where you sit, and looking at the, the, the enormous benefits uh, that it holds, you think that as a country, we are embracing it. Yeah. Does the future look good in terms of our approach to ICT training? future looks good. And as uh, the, the digital economy policy that the government is currently working on, mm. that has seen several stakeholder consultations and others that has, I think, now making a rounds through parliament or through uh, uh, cabinet and to parliament, and, you know, so it becomes a law that we all abide by. That policy, digital skills, is a pillar, strong pillar in that policy. So the minister already sees that, and uh, by way of um, achieving that is why we have to do all these little programs to get people skilled enough to be able to even consume the, sure. the, the services that the government is putting out. And then for those who want to use it to work, it will, it will be easier for them to also pick up okay. uh, employment with, us, with those skills that we are giving them. So, so, thank you very much for coming through. You. Maybe you have some final words you can tell those who, want, who are watching and they are so desirous, they want to enroll. Sure. So those who want to enroll, and uh, our website is uh, www-gi-kace dot com dot gh or dot gov dot gh any one of them works if you go there you can see all this information about our our our, our center and also these courses will be there for you to uh, try to apply if if you apply you don't get in don't 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 be mad um, we have other programs coming uh, hopefully the government's ghana digital agenda uh, GDAP, mm. as we called will also come up soon that we all get to benefit. So there'll be a lot of trainings coming. But again, um, if you are not able to get in, um, don't be dis- you will, we, will, we will make sure that we touch everyone. And then those who are really qualified and are in need, we'll make sure that we get all of them in. So we are open. Uh, you can walk by our centers also in Sunyane and Bogatanga and Accra, and then we'll, we'll take care of you. So tomorrow we are launching this program. Oh. Our Honourable Minister will be, will be present to deliver the... The key. location is? It's our Kofi Annan Centre of Excellence opposite the... Parliament uh, House. Parliament House or the state... The, uh, yes, the Parliament House. Mm. And then uh, if anybody wants to join us, tomorrow is at 10 o'clock. Uh, if, I'm, not, I'm sure you guys will cover the programme. So mm. we're happy to, to, to have all of, you, all, of, all of you there to cover the programme for us. Thank you very much, Doctor, and I wish you the very best. So that's we've been talking about ICT and artificial intelligence and government plans to tap into the growing and emerging tech markets such as artificial intelligence to cloud into new jobs on the global stage for the Ghanaian EU. This is the course. We'll take a short break and we'll be back soon.